So last week, we kicked off this new series called Wiki Wisdom, Timeless Truths in a Wayward World. And last week, Pastor John introduced Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, and the source of wisdom. And I loved what he called the book of, Pro- what he called the book of Proverbs and just Proverbs in general. They are Twitter-length practical wisdom. And there's a wide variety of Proverbs. You know, some Proverbs are easier to follow than others, like Proverbs 24, 13. Eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Okay, I can, I can do that one. Uh, there's a proverb for those of us who are going gray or who have gone gray. Uh, gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. And so for those of you that this applies to, I would quote that, memorize it, and quote it to loved ones whenever they tease you about your hair, okay? Um, Then there's Proverbs like uh, Proverbs 19.24. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish, and he will not even bring it back to his mouth. Now, that's just bad manners. You know, double dipping is one thing, but, you know, you stick your hand in the nacho cheese, you don't even take it out. You know, hey, can you please take your hand out of the nacho cheese? That'd be great. Um, and then, you know, it's a uh, new year, and some of you may be looking for a diet plan or something like that. Proverbs has one. Proverbs 23.2, uh, put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Now, that's a little extreme, but maybe it works. I don't know. There's a wide variety of Proverbs. But there's a difference and we're gonna be stressing this throughout the series, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And Proverbs chapter one, the first four verses kind of lays the foundation for the whole book. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. The book of Proverbs, it's about wisdom, insight, instruction, discretion. And even the word prudent, because of the word prudish, it has a negative connotation today, but prudent simply means to be wise in practical affairs. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at different um, virtues that the uh, book of Proverbs gives us, and uh, Dick Johnson is our scripture reader. So Dick, if you can make your way on up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. And we face the center of the room. We read from the middle of the room to remind us uh, that scripture should be central to our lives, uh, both as individuals and as a community of faith. And we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And so, Dick, Whenever you are ready, please read some assorted Proverbs. Proverbs 10.9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 14.23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 25.6-7. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence, and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Dick, thank you very much. You may be seated. 
Before we jump into the virtues we're going to look at this morning, uh, one thing that virtues do is that they keep our hearts in check. Virtues are great for keeping our hearts in check. Now, virtues are moral values to strive for. They are morally good, uh, but they are also effective practices. Both their moral goodness and their effectiveness is what makes a virtue a virtue. They are good things to do, but they are also wise things to do. And one reason that they are wise is because virtues keep our hearts in check. Um, The Bible has a number of things to say about our hearts. Uh, First of all, it does say that our hearts can be good. There are good things that come from the heart. Almost everybody has some sense of morality, and Jesus affirms uh, that good can come from the heart. In Luke chapter 6, he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. So there are good things that come from what is good in our hearts. But scripture also says that our hearts are a source of evil. Now, we tend to blame the devil for a lot of things. You know, the devil made me do it kind of thinking. And I'm not saying that the evil one isn't active, but sometimes we tend to give him too much credit. Jesus says in Mark, in Mark chapter 7, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. See, our hearts are the primary source of our evil actions. And if you think about it, our hearts are a battleground between good and evil. Many times, you know, we get caught up in thinking, well, the battle between good and evil is happening out there somewhere, and and there's truth to that. But I think an even more primary battleground between good and evil happens inside of each and every one of us in our hearts. But our hearts are also dangerously deceitful. They are dangerously deceitful. You know, how do you know? How do we know? Or how do we decide if we're doing the right thing? You know, most of us generally, at least we'd like to think that we try to do the right thing, but but what determines what is the right thing? How do we know even if we do the right thing, that we're doing it for the right reasons. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We are great rationalizers. We can rationalize almost anything. You know, in the the news this week, there's a story about a New Hampshire woman who was accused of driving 91 miles per hour in a snowstorm so that she could make an appointment to get a new car stereo. The officer who pulled her over said she was driving 91 miles per hour in snow and slush, and when he asked her why she was speeding, she told him that she was late for an appointment to have a new car stereo installed. Now, I don't think that she got up that morning thinking, hey, I'm going to put myself and others in danger over a new car stereo. I don't think that's how her day began. I would guess that she rationalized her behavior as she went along. 
Uh, another story in the news this week, don't know if you caught this one, but the 7-Eleven convenience store chain, they are going to start offering breakfast pizza. Very excited. No, actually, it doesn't really matter to me. But you know, to me, forget about breakfast pizza. For years, I have argued just pizza for breakfast. I've, yeah, I got an amen on that. That's amazing. That's, thank you. Um, and here's my rationalization, okay? Just stay with me for a second, okay? So people always challenge me because that's ridiculous, pizza for breakfast. And I will say, okay, if you're challenging me, let me just ask you, uh, do you eat omelets for breakfast? Well, yeah, of course. Okay, well, will you just tell me what are some common omelet ingredients? And they will list off things like cheese, sausage, ham, onions, green peppers, mushrooms. And I'll say, repeat that again. Uh, cheese, sausage, ham, onions, green peppers, mushrooms. Let me get the cheese, sausage, ham, onions, green peppers, mushrooms. Yeah. What are those? Pizza toppings. Thank you very much. Those are all things you find in a pizza. Oh, and what is the primary ingredient in an omelet? Eggs. What do you make pizza dough out of? Eggs. It's all, it's the same thing. It's a perfect rationalization for pizza for breakfast. Now, there are teenagers in this room, and I know you're going to go home and ask your parents if, if pizza for breakfast is okay after this message. And your parents are going to say no, and they're going to be right. Because despite my ability to rationalize pizza for breakfast that I just gave you, it is still not the wisest way to eat. Now, I can rationalize Mountain Dew over coffee, but that's another time for another story. <laughs> but we can rationalize anything. Dishonesty on the job, unfaithfulness in marriage, disloyalty to our friends, you name it, we can rationalize it. Pastor John last week noted that culture tells us to follow our hearts, yet scripture tells us to know our hearts. Again, they're deceitful. And the wisdom of virtues, they protect us from the deceitfulness of our hearts. They protect us from us. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of virtues, but here are four virtues that we read this morning from Proverbs. The first one is integrity. Soundness, which integrity is soundness of moral character or honesty. Soundness of moral character or honesty. It's doing what you say you will do. It's admitting when you are wrong. It's being trustworthy. As the old saying goes, if my word isn't good, my signature won't be good either. Proverbs 10.9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Nothing to hide, nothing to fear. The honest thing to do is the right thing to do. Another virtue is diligence, perseverance to accomplish what is undertaken. Perseverance to accomplish what is undertaken. It's the sticking to it. It's don't give up. It's work hard. It's keep moving forward. 
Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Now, for me personally, the perseverance part of diligence really speaks to me. You know, because as a pastor, this is probably true in many lines of work, as a pastor, I look around and I wonder what difference any of this is making. You know, what difference is the church making? What difference is TFRC making? And again, it's making a great difference, but you know, you get discouraged sometimes. And many years ago, I got really discouraged because you just wonder, what am I doing? What difference is any of this making? If I mishear what God wanted me to do, and I started, you know how you spiral down, you start thinking, man, I just need to do something else. I'm getting tired of being a pastor. And I seriously considered quitting. And in the middle of all those thoughts, and I'm assuming you have this kinds of stuff, a thought came to me, don't know where it came from, let you interpret what happened, but this thought came to me. And it thought was basically, are you going to quit that easily. Are you going to quit that easily? And I thought about what God had done in my life. I thought about different men and women of faith, both from the past and in the present. And I thought, no way. No way. I am not going to quit that easily. It's diligence. There's humility, a modest opinion of one's own importance, a modest opinion of one's own importance. It's modesty, it's unassuming, it's meekness. Proverbs 25 says, do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. Now, Jesus, interestingly enough, said something very similar to that. In Luke chapter 14, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Again, humility, a modest opinion of one's own importance. And then mercy, compassion shown toward an offender. Compassion shown toward an offender. It's forgiveness. It's understanding. It's grace. Proverbs 25 says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. In Romans chapter 12, Paul quotes this passage as an argument against revenge. Because the most ideal way of defeating an enemy is by turning them into a friend. 
if we want to keep our hearts in check, when we are in doubt of what is right, if we think that maybe eh, I might be deceiving myself in this situation, virtues like integrity, humility, diligence, and mercy, they can help keep our hearts in check and protect us. Virtues have a champion. And that champion, of course, is Jesus. But a champion is not just someone who is the best at something. And Jesus definitely was someone who lived with integrity, diligence, humility, and mercy. But a champion is also someone who advocates and encourages and promotes. And there is no one who is more of a champion for these virtues than Jesus. Again, as Pastor John said last week, Jesus is the embodiment of God's wisdom. Colossians chapter 2 says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, the fact that Jesus values these virtues and lives out these virtues is good news for us. This is good news for us. Because Jesus is the champion of integrity, Jesus will always do what is best for you. In his earthly ministry, Jesus always did the right thing. He forgave when it was the right thing to do. He confronted when it was the right thing to do. He healed when it was the right thing to do. As he said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He will always do what is best for us, even when we don't like it, even when we don't appreciate it, even when we don't realize it. Because Jesus is the champion of diligence, Jesus will never stop pursuing you. In times when we don't believe, in times when we don't obey, in times when we give up. As Jesus said in Luke 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And his diligence took him all the way to the cross. Even when you give up on Jesus, Jesus doesn't give up on you. And I don't know if all of us in this room believe in Jesus, but I do know that Jesus believes in each and every one of us. Because Jesus is the champion of humility, Jesus is never too good for you. Again, he said, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father taught me. And he submitted to what the Father wanted. As it says in Philippians 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We may think that we are not good enough for Jesus, but Jesus is never too good for you. And because Jesus is the champion of mercy, 
Jesus will never hold your offenses against you. He is always ready to forgive. It's central to his mission. As he said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Mercy, it's central to his strategy of saving us from our deceitful hearts. And how much mercy does Jesus give? Well, how much do you need? And we may say, well, that sounds kind of foolish to die on the cross for a world that hates you? Well, you decide. Is that the most foolish thing you've ever heard of? Or is it the most noble thing you've ever heard of? Virtues, they have a champion, and then they also invite an imitation challenge. There's an imitation challenge with virtues. You see, Jesus is the source of life, and when it comes to how we live life, Jesus knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. As it says in John chapter 1, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Or when Jesus said in John chapter 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus, through whom all things were made, Jesus in him who we live and move and have our being, he is the biggest believer and practicer of these virtues. And Jesus doesn't just want us to admire him. Jesus wants us to imitate him. He wants us to trust him that he knows what he's talking about and to follow him. As he says in Matthew chapter 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great clash. Following Jesus may not lead to fame and fortune. Those things are very temporary and quickly forgotten. You know, I think about the last year and the whole presidential stuff that just went on, the whole election, just how crazy it was. And just think about how much energy was spent, how much money and resources and just everything that went into the last presidential election. And President Trump was inaugurated this weekend amongst celebration and protest. And in light of all the energy that went into all of that, everything that was invested in all of that, you know, a hundred years from now, no one's going to remember any of it. All the energy and resources and time that we've just spent the last year plus on it's not even going to be remembered a hundred years from now. It's going to be forgotten. Just like for the majority of us in this room, 
we don't know who was inaugurated president in 1917. Most of us don't know that. Some of you are trying to Google it right now. <laughs> the answer is Woodrow Wilson. I looked it up. It was his second term, beginning of. But we don't remember that. It's so temporary. And that's true for so many things that we chase after. So following Jesus may not lead to fame and fortune, which is temporary, by the way. But his wisdom will lead to something eternal, true life. True life both for the here and now and forevermore. And so every day we have a choice. Multiple moments of every day, every day, we have choices where we can choose to be diligent or lazy, where we can choose to have integrity or be dishonest, where we can choose to have humility or be full of pride, where we can choose mercy or wrath. Jesus understands our road. He was humble enough to walk our path. And he came as a servant king, as a champion of virtues, the embodiment of wisdom, both in living them out for us and promoting them to all. And with that com comes a challenge, a call for us to follow him, to become more like him. Please pray with me. Lord, again, we thank you that you are the foundation of so many virtues that we benefit from in so many different ways. And Lord, we ask that your spirit would give us the wisdom and the strength to know and how to live out these virtues each and every day. Lord, help us to keep moving forward even in times when we fail. And Lord, just help us each and every day become a little bit more like you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.